As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Be the best and you got to pay a little price. If you want it bad enough, you got to do a little extra things to get it. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodriguez, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond Rich. How are we doing? Jordan, I decided uh, late last night that I have a new, a new phrase that I'll use whenever people ask me, like, how are things going, Rich? Or how's your day? Or how's life? I will say it's just been a struggle overall. That's, that's <laughs> what I'm going with. <laughs> that uh, for those who don't know, who haven't read Jordan's column yet, uh, Sean McVay quote about getting Allen Robinson the ball. I'm sure we'll get into that, Jordan, as we move on a little bit. But uh, boy, oh boy, um, tried to find something light and fun to start off with and uh, reviewed my p- 10 pages of notes here. And I got nothing. I really got nothing for you. Uh, really rough one. If any Rams fans didn't watch the game on uh, Monday night, as we uh, sit here and record on Tuesday afternoon, ah, that was a, that was a rough one. 24 to nine 49ers. Um, we'll get into some of the game stuff, but Jordan, as we are recording this, you've just uh, moments ago gotten off the phone call uh, with Sean McVay, where he usually recaps things and, uh, not much more good news here, is there, Jordan? What, what do we know coming out of that game, especially with some of these injury issues? It's not all bad. Like, considering some of the things that they've dealt with so far this year, I actually thought it could have been worse if the universe was continuing its sort of retrograde toward the Rams at this point. Um, but Coleman Shelton, obviously, he went down with an ankle injury. That was a high ankle sprain. He's going to be out four to six weeks. So for something that could, in some cases, be a season-ending thing, uh, that's four to six weeks now, of course, they'll approach that with caution, considering the heavier you are, if you're a lineman, um, if you have a high ankle sprain versus a like a DB or a smaller receiver, that's going to just take you some time to recover from that. So we'll see how that goes. Brian Allen, on the other hand, is almost ready to come back. Uh, so that's probably a contingency plan at some point, although Sean McVay was sort of noncommittal about whether this would be the week to do it. He's sort of week to week. And I think the Rams are going to try to weigh this as well. They have that bye week coming up. And if Jeremiah Colone can continue to 
be at least stable at the position, um, you know, bigger bodied guy. It kind of seemed, we'll get into this later, but it kind of seemed like the Rams became resigned to the fact that Matthew Stafford would probably be calling a lot of the checks in these games without his top two starting centers. Um, and then David Edwards is progressing through the concussion protocol. Again, that's going to be something to monitor as the week continues. The Rams could also have their left guard back instead of depending on Bobby Evans at the position. Um, and then Jordan Fuller, he re-aggravated a hamstring issue that he's been dealing with, and he's going to be out at least a couple of weeks. That's something that's finicky. Again, I would think probably a return post bye week would be probably the option for him. They've got some young guys who I think are promising. Russ Yeast did some good things in the camp in the preseason, has a, a learning curve, uh, obviously, to to go. Um, but you know, Taylor Rapp, sort of a mysterious absence after a certain play in Monday night's game. This is Tuesday afternoon when we're recording this. Yeah. But as far as the other guys are concerned, it's kind of kind of been the same. They're missing eight ton of offensive linemen they've lost at least five and rotated through even more than that in various regards and in the first four games alone uh, Matthew Stafford is well into the double digits and sacks almost into the triple digits and pressures at this point certainly two record-setting pressure rates uh, recorded we'll get into that as well in a minute because there's some things that are notable for the future as well but yeah, it's it's looking like a position catastrophe in terms of injuries along the offensive line. Rich, I do want to say too, because there's a I think there's that period of time where everyone's just yelling, right? After one of these types of games. And I do want to say it's not I think that there's fair criticism about some of the misses the Rams have had on the offensive line. Some of the guys that they've maybe not drafted in favor of other players who are not contributing. And I think that's there's fair criticism to be had there. And I absolutely agree with that criticism at the same time. You're there is no reality in which you're thinking, Oh, I better have a second round pick as my third string center just in case. Right. Right. You're not going to sit on Joe Noteboom for four years in any realistic median NFL roster situation. Right. You're not going to have Andrew Whitworth playing, you know, until, you know, the earth and California cracks into the ocean. Right. And the end, yeah. the end of days, like you're, you're not going to be dealing with those types of things on a, on an average median NFL situation. You're not going to have a guy waiting in the wings for years and years and years who happen to be an early round pick. That's just not how teams are constructed. So all that to say, I think that, yes, I think that that can be fair criticism in terms of, you know, you see Creed Humphrey playing on Sunday night and Rams fans have that eye twitch that starts to form. And then the next day, Tutu Atwell is inactive. And that's some salt in the wound when you're dealing again with a position catastrophe. But Coleman Shelton has played well, right? I think he's played very well at both positions that he's manned. The ankle injury, that's a freak thing. Brian Allen, the knee, you know, yeah. that's that's a freak thing. They didn't, That's yes, that's something that they managed. But last year, played pretty much the whole season, even dealing with some injuries. Joe Noteboom after that first game was super rough. He's improved. Um, Alaric Jackson, undrafted free agent, has played really well on the right side for the most part. Again, the larger body of work. Rob Havenstein holding it down. So David Edwards has been has been solid, except for, you know, obviously, unfortunately for him, dealt with the concussion last week. 
So for me, it's like, yes, absolutely. You want to have as solid a lineup as possible, but this is some freak shit happening to the Rams along the offensive line. Like this is a little wild at this point. I was in Carolina when they went through four centers in one week and signed a guy out of a basement in Utah to come play center for them and just got blown up um, against the Raiders. And I think that that is, you're not there yet, (laughs) but teams aren't, teams aren't sitting there and saying, okay, let me draft a uh, second round or trade for a second round guy to just stash him just in case this other guy gets hurt. That's just not how rosters are planned. Yeah. And we talked about some of this in the preseason, right? I mean, these are the issues that you're talking about. Like if you're having to rely on this many backups, if you're four weeks into the season and you're playing this many backup offensive linemen and you're down to your third string center, this is what happens. I don't care who you are. I don't care how well your roster is constructed or how well you drafted certain players. Like if you're down to your third string center. You are having problems. I don't care who you are, or how well you've drafted or how well you've managed your cap or whatever it may be. And that's nothing against Jeremiah Colone, who's doing as admirable a job as you can do as a third string center. Uh, but that's just going to happen. So that's not there's a fair debate, like you said, to be had about depth and, and how you manage those positions or whatever, but this is not something that you're used to dealing with. And if you're in this position, oh my goodness, you are having problems. I don't like the draft thing. Like I, I, I get it. I'm as, I'm as snarky as they get. I love the, the pot stirring, but you can do that every year with every pick. It doesn't matter. You can look at it and say, well, they could have had that guy instead. I mean, how many teams would love the, those 10 teams or whatever that would love to have Aaron Donald that passed on Aaron Donald? How many teams passed on Cooper Cup? Every team passed on Cooper Cup two or three times. Times. Like you can, we can do this all day long, every year. And it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't accomplish anything. Like, you know, if you want to talk about Tutu Atwell, let's talk about Tutu Atwell, like, and, and whether or not it was the right pick or whether it made sense, like don't do the comparisons. Like I don't, I understand why it happens. And it's, it's a, it's a, you know, yeah, that one, a, that one's bad. I understand why that one's bad specifically. But, yeah, right. But yeah. you can do a lot of contextually like, with what the Rams are dealing with at this moment. But like right. in an alternate dimension, when these guys aren't hurt, you're sitting there thinking, right. man, this staff ca- still hasn't figured out a way to work in Tutu Atwell. But at least the offensive line is playing well. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this exactly. is an alternate dimension here where <laughs> situational context, I think, matters yeah. too in terms and, of our, our various biases. Right. And the Tutu one is a bad example because I mean I think I'm not sorry, like I'm not I'm not trying to dump on Tutu Atwell. It's it's more dumping on the Rams. But even at the time, a lot of people questioned whether or not that was the right decision. So that's 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 um a little bit of a unicorn because because that that actually is not a hindsight one. That that was one that was being questioned in real time, um, and has actually kind of kind of played out uh, with uh, with warranted criticism. So, uh, you know, we we can talk, Jordan. I, I want to. Um Thanks for all the the context there, and certainly be great uh, for the Rams if if Brian Allen is able to to come back in the short term. Here uh, would would at least answer one question. I know we're going to get into a lot of these offensive issues, and there's so much to to unpack here, and not only talk about this game, but what they can do going forward because. Dallas Cowboys are, are coming into town in just a few days here, and uh, is going to present some some challenges too to that Rams offense, but. I want to at least get this out of the way before we lose track of time or don't get to it. Because, Jordan, I know, you know, you get a lot. You get these questions about the defense, right? Like, and I know people which I don't run or call plays for, by the way, just throwing that out there. 
think, you know, if Raheem gets a job next year, you know, we could we could we could make some calls. Um, but uh, but, you know, you, you get this. right. And I, I just wanted to address it up front because I know, like, if anybody hasn't read your column, the pile of fantastic stuff. I mean, I, I say it every week, but I mean, that the fact that you're able to dig into that stuff after a night game, you know, after a late game, I don't know how many uh, you were you were burning the, the midnight oil. I saw Marcus Thompson uh, captured you working in the in the press room there with your I know I didn't I didn't want to. Uh, jump on it, but I did notice the cup of coffee and a bottle of water. So you stayed very much on brand, even while you were working on your on your column in the in the press room. So um, but I know you get these these questions. Let, let's just briefly talk about the defense, because you look at the final score, right? It's 24 to nine. You got to chop off seven points right away because there is a pick six in there. The defense allows 17 points, and I'm not going to I, I'm not going to parrot everything that you've said even though you say it very well, but 17 points, that should be enough to win you a football game under most circumstances, especially if you're the Rams. Let's pick it apart a little bit farther, a little bit more. Two plays in there, right? There's two plays that you're going to look at. Uh, Debo Samuel with the, the splashy, you know, catch and run, and you're looking at the Jeff Wilson uh, run for the, for the touchdown there. I'm going to talk about those two plays real briefly, Jordan, and then I want to get your thoughts. The, the Jeff Wilson run, that was so well blocked. Like I mm-hmm. looked at the way that that was. I mean, if you want to put a play on tape and say this is how you block a running play and how you if you're a running back, how you execute it, you can't come up with a much better example of that. I mean, they were great at the line. They were great in the second level. And Jeff did a great job of just kind of weaving his way through there through. It was just a good play. Like, I'm sorry, it's not I'm not jumping on the 49ers bandwagon. It was just a good play. And then the other one, you know, Debo Samuel makes the play. Um Kendrick goes for the interception. Uh, I don't think in that situation, uh, you look at where Debo was. I think if, if he just catches the ball and comes down with it, he has a first down in, in that situation. I, I, I have to think Kendrick is looking at that saying, I have an opportunity here to make a play. Okay. And I'm, I'm going to go for the ball. If I don't get the ball, what's the worst that could happen here, right? Like somebody's got to be behind me to make the tackle. You don't anticipate that there's going to be total calamity behind you, which is exactly what ended up happening. Total calamity, uh, two huge missed tackles, and it ends up being like a 50, whatever it was, 57-yard uh, touchdown or something like that. You take out those two plays, Jordan. I mean, it was not a terrible defensive performance, I don't think. I would say I would the, the most... Um, alarming thing to me, perhaps, was I thought in the second half, the 49ers actually started to assert, assert themselves a little bit more. I thought they were kind of winning the physical battles uh, a little bit more as the second half progressed in, in the run game. But it wasn't a situation at all where it was a, a, a total breakdown or you say, oh, my goodness, you know, in, add in the fact that the Rams were playing from behind pretty much the entire game. So, you know, the 49ers are able to dictate things a little bit there. I, I don't know, Jordan. I mean, I know you get these questions a lot. People say, well, what about the defense? All you talk about is the offense. What about the defense? But like, I, I don't I don't think you can make a real compelling argument in this game that that the defense is what let them down. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, without the without the explosive run play, you're looking at um, uh, 56 net rushing yards from San Francisco. Some quick math done by yours truly. And I think that that's admirable. And that also, I got some comments about, oh, why don't they adjust the defense? They did. They went with heavier fronts and they cranked down their safeties quite frequently. And they had Bobby Wagner playing closer to the line of scrimmage and run support than maybe he would have. They pulled Ernest off the field quite a bit in order to crank different guys down in. And they played those heavier fronts. You saw like uh, Jonah Williams and Marquise Copeland and Ashawn Robinson and Greg Gaines all up front. And then like Aaron Donald on the edge at one point um, you saw those types of things happening. They did adjust. They adjusted. Their goal was to stop the run and try to force Jimmy Garoppolo to pass the ball, which in theory is a sound plan considering he didn't have a playbook until the first week of the season. So I think like that's, I don't begrudge them that plan. And then for me, the killer, the killer is the self-inflicted wounds with the missed tackles on Debo Samuel, who is extremely hard to tackle. But on that play, I ad- I admire Darion Kendrick for going for the 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 takeaway or the pass breakup. I admire that. But he had Taylor Rapp crashing toward the sideline as well. Right. So the sheer force of momentum, I mean, Taylor Rapp missed the tackle really badly on that play as Debo starts cutting inside. The sheer force of momentum, if you go for the hit on the catch instead of maybe the takeaway there, you push the guy toward the sideline and you also push him. Taylor then comes crashing in. You push him toward the sideline. That gives your guys some time to perimeter contain a little bit more. And I think maybe you're looking, I mean, again, I'm not going to sit there and like project physics, right? That's just not, (laughs) (laughs) that's not logical, but I think, you know, you want these guys to be aggressive. That's this defense that they play when they do go into some of their coverage concepts. It's a match zone. It's not a, soft zone. It looks soft because teams are picking away at it. Um, we've gone over this over and over and over again, but they yes. are matching routes um, on the, on the backside. And that was an example of Darion Kendrick coming in to make the aggressive play. And so I don't begrudge him for doing that, but you could see maybe in an alternate, again, an alternate universe, which we love existing in these days, like that is the other scenario of what could have happened. The missed tackles are inexcusable. Um, I also saw people criticizing Bobby Wagner for not making a tackle on that play. Guys, they sent Bobby Rag- Wagner in on a blitz. So he's in the backfield when that play is happening yeah, I, and yeah. has to come make up ground. <laughs> and then it's kind of shaded out of the tackle area by Grant Haley, who got turned around on the play. And then Jalen Ramsey misses the tackle, which he does not do often in space. That's been a the talk of social media today, um, especially um, you know over on, on Instagram. And so those two plays, you know, I don't, I think the defensive plan was solid. And, and I just want to put this out there and I put this in my column, like 
2020, we know what the offense was in 2020. Okay. We know it's not looking good now, but we know, we do know in hindsight what it was and then what it had to turn into in 2021. We know what the offense was in 2020. Okay. The magic number for the defense was 20 points. That is the the number that they had to, they wanted to and knew they could limit opponents to in order to still eclipse the number of points scored against them on the offensive side of the ball. The magic number was 20. This offense should have been better this year. This offense, the Rams, you know, have made all sorts of assertions that if they have a top 10 defense and a top five offense, they are Super Bowl contenders and they have made their decisions to that point where they have tried to put the pieces together to um, make that so, even if even if in a in a very, very tough league to play defense in, even if you somehow are a top 10 defense, but you're still a top five offense, as they were last year when they won the Super Bowl, you are contenders in that way. So everything that they've planned for and pushed for is to be able to be that high ranking offense. And they're not, they're simply not. And 17 points, you should, if you are this offense that put together the campaign that you did last season, and yes, you are absolutely bruised and battered and totally embattled up front and in a variety of positions. And so that is the ultimate overall caveat that please include as a double truth as you hold all of these other things in your head. Yes. Um, that is a fact, but you need to be able to score more than 17 points, 17 points against a team that no, you, the 49ers had not gotten their run game really going in the Rams pretty much stifled it other than that explosive touchdown. Um, but you still have Ayuk and Debo Samuel and those quick outs. They're throwing the ball really quickly. Jimmy Garoppolo is like 2.23 time to throw, which is um, sort of countering the pass rush that the Rams are able to do. Um, you've got no guys on the back end who are you're accustomed to playing with other than, you know, Jalen Ramsey and, and Nick Scott. And you're sitting there and you're holding them to 17 points. And it's a competitive game until Matthew Stafford throws a pick six. Like, guys. You got to score more than 17 points. If you if yeah. you think you're a contender, you have to score more than 17 points. You have to you have to get in the end zone. Right. Once at once. least. <laughs> yes. It's but, hard to win if you don't score a touchdown. That's but I digress. <laughs> it's not to say like when I sit there and I go on this little mini rant and I'm sure there's more coming, but like that's not to say the defense played perfect. Yeah, they made mistakes. No. It was those those two plays, those explosives, those were killers, right? But without those, the game is you know, even more tight than it was, but against the 49ers who Jimmy Garoppolo for all his lack of playbook or whatever, he can execute those catch and runs. And you know that Kyle Shanahan is going to try to scheme up a catch and run or two against you every single time. And so, you know, you're kind of saying, okay, 17 points. I mean, that's pretty, you know, to hold an offense, that has that capability, despite whoever's, you know, at quarterback or all the issues that they had or whatever, like you have to score more than 17 points. You can't turn the ball over, especially not for a touchdown, especially not on a play that is identical to the pick six thrown last year that Jimmy yeah. Ward took away yeah. identical. And other than the, the stack of the, the receiver stack three by one versus two by one. And a call that Matthew Stafford admitted he should have checked out of at yeah. the line of scrimmage. That wasn't very good. When I saw the replay, I'm like, 
Oh my goodness. How could you like you you have to think a that promising to, drive, a missed field goal on the yeah. on the on the previous right, side. To keep him in it. Yeah. And the, I mean you you have to think that Haifanga just doesn't like that he doesn't know football. Like if you if you think he's not going to read that and and like the play that he made. I mean, he made a very good play. Don't don't misunderstand. I mean, he was he made a very smart play, but he did exactly what you what exactly what you would do in that situation. He didn't he didn't do anything extraordinary. He did exactly what he was supposed to do and, and made a great play on the ball. I just want to be fair here, Jordan, just it's just in case, like just to cut off the, the argument there, there was the, the 49ers do get down to the one yard line and kick a field goal. So that, that was clearly a strategy play by Kyle Shanahan. He was taking three points to get up by eight. So people would say, oh, they could have scored another touchdown and it would have been 21. I, even if you say 21, like, I mean, when you're talking about this offense, even 21 points is close enough to 20, which is the number that you is, is your target. So, I mean, I, I just I didn't want that that to be thrown back at us like oh but they you know they kicked a field goal from the one yard line okay fine i'll give you that it's still only it's still only 21 points um and so yeah jordan i'm, I'm glad that you broke all of that down for us i gotta be honest with you i don't even know where to start with with the offensive stuff i mean and we, we've talked a lot Neither about today <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's a problem um i mean it, it, let's not the, the 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 issues with the offensive line are going to hang over everything that we that we talk about here. So I think we can just kind of put that out as a blanket statement. The the offensive line is an issue. Yeah. Let's just start there, right? Let's let's do it this way. How about this? Right. We're gonna play a new game. Oh, oh good. <laughs> you pick a phase of this <laughs> offense, and yes. we'll we will start by explaining how the pressure and the lack of protection affects this phase. Okay. And then we will dissect the phase. Does that okay. sound good? It, it, it sounds good. I'm, I, I, I'm going to think I'm going to I'm going to throw it generally at I'm going to throw I'm going to throw two things at you at once because I think Are they, they go phases. Hand, yeah. And they go they go <laughs> hand in hand. And, and we talked a little bit about. So so I'm going to say, first of all, the run game. And then I'm going to say as a corollary to that. The play action game. Yeah. And how. um how the the protection um you know what i'm saying right yes, like yeah. okay then yeah. the floor is yours diminished yeah <laughs> <laughs> what was it we said it was like one in the morning cut off the action lane or something like yeah that. no you were good yeah i'll have to find yeah. it was bad it was even better than that so like yeah, it was yeah. Really yeah i don't know i was <laughs> i was loopy at that point yeah. um okay well you could see it so first first and foremost the rams are not moving the line of scrimmage altogether well when they are not in the eye formation running behind Ben Skoranek, something that they kind of went away from uh, early in the contest. They had it a couple of times and then went away from it a bit. Uh, they clearly, you know, Matthew Stafford, I think he threw, what, 48 pass attempts. So this was something where they, it, it wasn't like they could run the ball, but they didn't run the ball anyway. <laughs> um, but it's not like they really could or they were really, moving the line of scrimmage a lot. And again, so that's, there we go. So we'll start with that. The, it's almost completely reserve offensive line, particularly on the interior where you really need to be able to move the line of scrimmage and they just couldn't. And especially when Coleman Shelton goes down, they had some success in previous running behind Alaric Jackson and Rob Havenstein. I thought that showed some promise. And particularly when you've got Ben Skronik lead blocking, then you can get some stuff going over on the left side, which they did successfully against the Cardinals. But um, when you have to start utilizing Ben Skronik a little bit more um, to chip because they were an empty a bit, and this is getting away from the run game. We'll get back to it in a minute. Yeah. We have to move Ben Skronik out 
toward other parts of the stack, or you're kind of trying to get them downfield a little bit further on some of those catch and run opportunities, then you take him out of the I formation. You sort of are making that statement that you're not going to continue to um, try to run the ball in that particular heavier front. So when some of the question, like you had a question, uh, Rich, about well, why aren't they moving the pocket? Well, nobody's being fooled by the play action. They're not running the ball well, and they're not doing it productively, and they're not doing it. Cam Akers had a, a third and one that he got that was really good. That was clutch. Um, but they, they're not running the ball consistently. Um, there are some exciting things that have happened in previous weeks with their run game, and including running it behind Ben Skronik and running it behind some of the lead blocking they've done with Cooper Cup and, and Ben. Um, but the offensive line is, is affecting the way that they're able to run the ball. The running backs are affecting the way that they're able to run the ball. Um, this is something where everybody and their mother and their grandmother knows this. So what can you do? You can send a run blitz or a delayed blitz off of the play action and blow up the play action lane. So your run fake turns into a scramble drill, essentially, or your long, like kind of boot action, like it turns into a scramble drill. And then it turns into a hurried throw where the route layers that would normally develop with a sort of longer action like that, or a longer fake, it then turns into something that is hurried. You saw this happen against Jared Goff quite a bit. Um, when the Rams were still so dependent on play action. Yeah. So then you, you say, okay, well, we'd like it. We'd like it if you don't send, you know, we see that you're sending extra defensive backs. So now we're going to spread out and empty. You're playing us with that sort of zone-ish how they do. And so we're going to try to spread the hash marks of the field out wider. So they go and empty a little bit more, which I know drives fans crazy, but you get a defense, especially if, you're not running the ball well. Um, you're trying to get a defense to declare not just its pressure looks, but also um, you know how many guys they might send, or you're you're trying to get your own eligibles to um, quite literally like widen the space, the usable space out because you're just getting crushed behind the line of scrimmage. So um, it's all going to go hand in hand. But basically, that's that's the run game. That's how the the offensive line is affecting or disaffecting, I guess, uh, what's happening in the run game right now. And I will lead into saying too, I don't think they're getting what they need from either of their two lead backs, not just in terms of on the ground, but I don't think they're getting it in pass protection either. And I don't think you saw that you you saw sort of an allusion to that when they brought Malcolm Brown back, uh, their best pass protecting running back by all accounts inside the locker room that they've had, you know, in years and years and years, Sony Michelle also was very good at that. Um, Mm -hmm but somebody who is really steady in that regard. Um, So you saw allusions to that. You also saw when Jeremiah Colone comes in. So the center is in charge of calling out a lot of the, if it's a, like a safety design pressure or a corner design pressure, the safe, the, the center can often be in charge of sort of like calling those looks out or diagnosing what they see downfield, pointing out different rushers, communicating that with the quarterback and it was pretty clear because, and it's not his fault, like Jeremiah Colone has never had an actual series with Matthew Stafford snap, snapping in the ball, him the ball ever, like since the two have walked the earth ever. And so um, he's never gotten those looks like he's been on the scout team. He's never played against the scout look. Right. So um, he obviously is not going to necessarily be the one in charge of relaying those pressures. That's Matthew Stafford. And then 
the running backs also have to pick up those things and the running backs have to be sort of empowered to, to be able to do those things. And I think I just get the impression this is McVeigh translator. This is not him saying it outright. This yeah. is just McVeigh translator on my end. I, I think he was disappointed by the way that the quarterback picked up some of the protections and diagnosed or misdiagnosed some of the plays, including that pick six. I think he was disappointed in the running back situation and the way specifically those guys were missing assignments in the pass pro, because you could tell as soon as Coleman Shelton went out, the 49ers who do not have to blitz because they are pressuring at a 43% rate without sending blitzers, which is the highest in the league. So they're pressuring with four at 43% rate, which is insane. Yeah, It's very good. And they decide, ah, we're just not going to do that. We're actually going to start sending safeties in. Yeah. for blitzes and they yeah. increased their blitz rate to 25%, which was not something that likely was going to be the plan coming in the game. If they could affect the front with just four, but capitalizing off of the fact that nobody can, nobody's communicating, nobody's getting the right calls in, nobody's picking up the right pass pro. And you saw it, you saw Bobby Evans and Jeremiah Colonna turned around yeah. like their torsos turned around toward yep. Matthew Stafford, getting the call. You saw it all game. Yeah. 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 So that's the other running backs thing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't want to put too fine a point on it, Jordan, but all of this is terrible. Like, I mean, it's not like, I'm not, I'm not trying to be like funny about it, but I mean that you, the things that you're talking about here, I mean, they're so substantial and they cut across so many things that like, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, some of these sound fixable um, and some, I mean, obviously if you get Brian Allen back, you're, you're at least solving that problem. Uh, but some of them sound a little more chronic, to be quite honest with you. And yes, even though I hitch my wagon to running backs and, and the running game, I absolutely agree with you on on the way that I, I love Cam Akers, the way he runs. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't look like he was running with a lot of confidence. I, I don't know whether, you know, some of the pass protection issues are getting in, into his head, too. Or, I mean, there's there's obviously been some things here, but uh, but I, I didn't see a whole lot there. I mean, there, there weren't a lot of names negative plays in there either. I mean, there was one, there was that, that awful looking pitch play that they ran that lost like five yards, I think. And there might've been one other one that got stood up for a a minus one or something. I mean, they they weren't, there wasn't a lot of negatives, but there just weren't a lot of like dynamic looking runs either. And that's, that's a problem. That's a little more chronic for me. And I'm, I'm not sure exactly what, what the answer um, is there. Um, And, and Matthew Stafford, look, I mean, I'm not going to harp on the quarter, but like the guys on the guy's running for his life. I mean, every, every play, the pressure affects everything, right? It affects affects literally everything. It permeates through the entire offensive plan. It doesn't matter if it's the run, the pressure affects it. It doesn't matter if it's the pass, the pressure absolutely affects it. It affects what the quarterback's decision-making process is going to be. It affects the way that he could, or he may or may not hesitate. It affects the, it, it quite clearly, there's a correlation between the receivers that he targets 
through the course of this. Like it affects the pressure affects everything. I would say the good news to Ramstein's listening to this and like standing, you know, on the edge of the uh, of their <laughs> their swimming pool in their backyard, like staring into the void. Like <laughs> it's it's. I think it will be okay because I think some of these guys will get healthy. And so I think it will, I think it will get better. Some of the guys who are less experienced will get more experience. Um, There's a couple of guys waiting in the wings who are still sort of learning the offense and figuring that out. They could get a shot. Uh, Ode Abushi Abushi is one of those players who I think, you know, you kind of maybe get, give, you know, test them out a little bit down the road here. Um, It's, it's, it's just in the meantime, the pressure is it's affecting and permeating through yeah. every single thing. And I know you want to get to the pass game next, Rich, but it just you cannot talk yeah. about this team on offense in any facet without the caveat. This pressure, that is a season high and a record pressure rate. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at my um I'm looking at my my notes right here. So Buffalo, where we're all sitting there with like our jaws hanging on the floor, like holy cow, <laughs> Buffalo is getting after it. Yeah. That's a, a 38.8 pressure uh, percent pressure rate, and against San Francisco, it's a 42.9 percent pressure rate. That's nearly 50 percent of Matthew Stafford's dropbacks. He is getting uh, game affecting, scheme affecting, offense affecting pressure. That that is wild. I don't care who you are. I mean, that's that's. It's not important. just that they're sending pressure either. That's what yeah. I think the misconception is. No, they're not just deciding to send pressure on. Ha- that's when they're it, getting pressure. It's getting there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's that's problematic. Again, I don't care who you are, and you can talk about. I mean, Matthew Stafford made some mistakes. He certainly did, but I mean that that impacts everything that you do. I mean, and he's. He's got it in his head. We used to talk about that with Jared Goff, too. I and mean, Jared took fair criticism for some of that stuff. But it's like, look, when you when you get that kind of pressure, like it it impacts you in, in every single way. And and no quarterback is is immune to that, I, I don't think. Um, all that said, Jordan, and, and yeah, I do want to talk about the pass game here. But all that said, you know, the Rams got into the red zone three times. Mm-hmm. And I think they got inside the 10 twice, if I'm remembering correctly. They were in position uh, to score. And, you know, they certainly had struggles getting there and it it did not look pretty very often, but they did get in there three times and they got really close twice and they weren't able to finish it off. And this is also not a a unicorn in terms of of their offense either. I didn't like, you you know, I mean, this this is a this is a half of a running joke, but I mean, you you tweeted during the game like they get inside. They ran six plays inside six offensive plays inside the 10 yard line. Guess how many of them were passes? Six, mm, six. six out of six, <laughs> all passes. And like, I understand there's, you know, people say, well, you're not running the ball efficiently, you know, OK, but like you weren't passing it efficiently either. That obviously didn't work. You were there three times and you didn't score a touchdown. So we can certainly have the argument whether a run would have worked. But what we absolutely know is that the passes weren't working. Um, so that that's one thing that we can say. Look, if, if one of those goes into the end zone, um, it, it's a different game. I mean, the, the the Rams aren't playing from behind the entire time. The complexion of the fourth quarter is a little bit different. They just did not finish those drives. And that's that's a, to me, that's even a little bit of a separate issue from all of the stuff that we're talking about here is they, it certainly goes hand in hand. There's no question about it. But to, to me, it's even a little bit of a, a separate issue of of um, 
of from the from what we're talking about here. The past game, I, Jordan, I don't know. I look, I, I, I'll fully admit I, I am not smart enough to answer some of these questions. Um, they clearly have no trouble getting the ball to Cooper Cup. Okay, we we can start. We can we can all agree on that. If there's one thing that the entire uh, Rams universe and podcasters can agree on, the Rams do not have trouble getting the ball to Cooper Cup. I would even say they don't have much trouble getting the ball to Tyler Higby. They've done a pretty good job of of finding him in a lot of ways. Um, they are not getting the ball to Allen Robinson. And you have written. I don't know. We we should actually count up the number of words that you've written about this. Um, so I don't think we need to retread the same ground over and over again. Um, but we're now four games into this thing, and it's 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 just not there. Like, is is the pressure playing some part in this? Is like what's going on here, Jordan? Because. All I hear about, and I'm not trying to be hot takey about this. I promise you I'm not, but I'm, I'm, I'm watching the game sitting here and they're talking about Odell Beckham Jr. Like Odell Beckham, like they Rams really want to get Odell back and, and, you know, feel like he's going to be a big part of that. And then I'm like, what about Allen Robinson? Like you, you just, you just reworked. You, you got rid of Robert Woods and, and you brought in Allen Robinson. And now it's like, it's like the meme where like, you know, it's I know this is this is a really old reference now, but it's like, you know, the guy looking at the girl and his girlfriend is behind him, you know, <laughs> making the face. And it's like the Rams looking at Odell Beckham Jr. And Alan Robinson is behind. It's like, well, what what are we doing here? Like, what's that? Like, Jordan, I don't expect you to retread the same ground you've covered over and over and over again. But like if you can give somebody the 30 second version of of why, like, why is this continuing to go on? I know there's a lot of layers to it. There's things that go hand in hand. There's things that we don't even see. But like this is now game four and this is not getting better. The the yeah. the, the, the answer does not appear to be around the corner here. Um. I do have some new ground to tread, actually. Uh, I'm excited to hear and that. And Rich, we agree on, I think, pretty much everything. Your f- fascination with uniforms is something I don't quite understand, but yeah, well, I also respect it immensely. You're and, in the minority there. So. <laughs> I know. And I think that it's a fantastic <laughs> ad and an asset to our, our production as a whole. Um, we don't, we very rarely disagree on things. I don't. I don't disagree with you fully on a certain uh, a tweet that I saw from you yesterday, but I do have mild a mild bone to pick with it, just mildly, very mildly. Yes. Because when teams are playing the Rams like this, and the pressure is what it is, I think they do miss a a traditional yak receiver that Robert Woods was and is a outstanding yak receiver, somebody who you can sort of lead off in. Similar ways, uh, maybe less um, splashy in the in the modern game as Debo Samuel, but in similar ways that you can lead him um, and depend on him to get, you know, five, 10, 15 yak yards after the catch. And, and uh, you know, that I think they miss the way that teams are playing them in that constricting shell. And especially when they're clouding up the zone and all of that stuff that that I agree with. They they I don't think they were expecting this. Um, I think that they are a little caught off guard by the way teams are playing them when they made the move for Allen Robinson. It was with the expectation that teams would continue the trend of playing them the way that 
they played them near the end of the season and especially into the playoffs um, where you could get some, some interesting isolations between the tandem of Cooper cup and Allen Robinson. And I will say also they missed badly Van Jefferson and that added element to have on the field, just that extra layer of route construction. Um, But I have a slight, a little slight bone to pick because we're, we were last year screaming the same shit about, well, why don't you get the ball to Robert Woods, which was also a problem. Don't let me take away from that. That was also an issue at the time. Right. So, but I'm looking right now at his stats from, from last year. And it wasn't until week five after he and Sean McVay had that meeting. Remember last year, year, they had a meeting ahead of, I think it was that Seattle game of how can you get him the ball? And then you also knew Seattle was going to continue to play still at that time in that single high where you can really get those zone beaters going um, on those crossers. And then before that, though, it's like week one, four targets, uh, week two, nine targets, five catches. It's still more targets than Allen Robinson is getting. Sure. Um, week three, three catches, six targets. Week four, four catches, six targets. Now, this is a guy who was tied with the top in target share with Cooper Cup. He, he, they Cooper hadn't yet been the guy who was returning from the triple crown or anything like that. So right. that was a dramatic dramatic difference. And I think at that point, you know, the Rams did start to figure it out, unfortunately for Robert. Um, but then, you know, weeks after he has his, his season high in, in targets, he's down to five targets, two catches, six, six catches, you know, three catches, you know, he's, he's sort of back down to it. So this is mm-hmm. not a problem that the Rams haven't had before. It is a little bit startling that they hadn't been prepared for it or figured it out. But I will say too, like, this is, this is part of the issue. It goes back to, again, there's so many things that are true. Yes, I think they miss a yak, another yak receiver, specifically with the injuries they have, specifically with the way that these pr- the pressure is coming from these teams and the, a need to get the quick game going. But at the same time, you can tell, and I've written about this, and it's in my column, and it's it's really it's spelled out there for anyone who's interested in, in reading about the context instead of screaming on Twitter, like, when the pre- there's a direct correlation when the pressure increases to such dramatic rates and Cooper Cup is the first read and also he has the option routes on those pressure beaters and on some of those things so he can decide and he and Matthew can decide those types of things as as the as the early read in the progression about how they're going to beat the different types of contours um there's a direct correlation you know the, against Buffalo, when that pressure was the second highest it's ever been in the Sean McVay era, um, 36.5% of the target share goes to Cooper Cup. Um, and against San Francisco, the season high and certainly the record high in, in pressure rate and, and pressures in general and ties the sack total in the Sean McVay era, um, Cooper Cup's accounting for 39.5% of the target share. So there's a direct correlation between who it seems to be the easiest player early in the progression for Matthew Stafford to get the ball to when the pressure is coming the way that it has in those two games extrapolated specifically. But I will say at the same time, that does not excuse the fact that the Rams haven't gotten a quick game going. That doesn't excuse the fact that they haven't really seemed to move Allen Robinson around versatile. Again, like I've been screaming from the rooftops, like they've been preaching through camp, like you saw all through camp where he was just having such a, a promising and successful um, journey to that in, in that regard as somebody who can interconnect with these route concepts that Cooper cup is running. Right. Then, then again, you cycle 
it's chicken or the egg. You cycle all, all the way back around and you're like, well, there's no time for those concepts to develop, right? There's no time for those things to happen. And then you also are missing that element. The Rams are not getting explosive plays downfield. You're missing that that element of not just the protection that can get those balls and those routes working downfield, but you're also missing the element of Van Jefferson, who is that guy that you have to always have at least one other one defensive back on or somebody watching or somebody in the area to kind of tilt or, or shade or do whatever, because you know, he can get behind the defense. If Matthew Stafford gets that extra millisecond to throw, you know that that's where the ball will go and they're not getting those explosives. And it's, it's very, it's very flashbacks to again, 2020, where everything is shrinking, shrinking down and truncating. Now I will say a lot of that's due to pressure. A lot of that's due to injury. And I would also caution people like it's really easy to sit there and just say, Alan Robinson's not getting open. I am charting his routes. Like we're, I'm charting this stuff. It's not completely accurate that he's quote unquote, not open. Like he's open. Okay. There are opportunities. There are chances to get him the ball. There were in week one, there were in, in week four. I can imagine at a certain point as a player, you get a bit frustrated, but again, it all goes hand in hand because I also don't think that it's completely Matthew Stafford's fault that he's not getting the ball either. I think that it's, it goes back to the pressure. You can't, none of this stuff can unfold. First of all, if guys are playing so close to the line of scrimmage and second of all, the pressure's there too. None of this stuff can unfold the way that it needs to. And this is, this is the big problem. And this is the big issue that we keep circling back to in the, over the nature of this, this, um, this whole podcast, you know, I asked Matthew Stafford directly kind of like what the, what the deal is and the versatility. And, and he was very, actually, I think he was very honest about talking about how the the throws that he has been sort of trying to get to Allen Robinson have been the low probability, the lowest probability throws, the 50, right. 50 balls, the end zone fade, the corner end zone fade, the back shoulder fade. That's like a little low that they kind of have been working on through the entire spring and summer. And those are some of the lowest probability throws, even with, you know, it doesn't matter who the defensive back is. There's some of the lowest probability throws in that you can make in football. But the, the thing that bothers me and that has irked me about watching this is not whether or not Allen Robinson is open. It's the fact that the Rams, after preaching his versatility and demonstrating it, like I'm my, I, I'm not like bullshitting you guys about what I saw with my own eyes. And I know it's like the popular tweet is like, wow, the Rams, the Rams buzz from camp really took us for a ride. Like I, I understand the frustration, but like you guys, they not only were lauding and preaching his versatility, they were actually doing it. Like he was lining up all over the place in camp. He was doing a variety of different things in camp. And so it's, that's part of the thing that's irksome to me is, is that it's not just that, you know, the, the low probability throws are not working. It's that when there's an opportunity perhaps to adjust, to make higher probability throws and higher probability decisions, specifically with Allen involved um, to add more dimensionality to your offense, those things are not happening. And that's what I asked um, Matthew Stafford directly about um, in the locker room. If he'd like to get Allen Robinson worked into more high probability options, because he admitted Um, there are 50, 50 shots, uh, there are low probability throws, 
their uh, late desperation shots, those types, those types of things added that he has all the trust in the world. And Alan Robinson adds right. that, you know, he's doing every Alan is doing all the things that he needs to do. And then he says, you know, I think there were opportunities tonight to spread the ball around or tried to, he said, he's got to do a better job of trying to find Alan Robinson. And that includes, but it's also scheme. It includes working Alan into some of those things that he is able and can do. This is fantastic. And it actually leads me. I had actually made a a note of this and I don't, it's going to be hard for me to ask this question because I don't want it to sound simplistic or that I'm trying to dumb things down, but I I think it might tie into what you're talking about here. And, and it's, it's in terms of how, how you're scheming your offense and almost like how to ski, like my, my, my working title would be here, like how to scheme an offense when you can't block. Like, I, I think, I think like you almost don't like, and, and again, I don't want to dumb this down, but I almost think like you, you might even just have to go back to step one and say like, okay, here's our situation. We are having a lot of trouble blocking. Like we, we are not, we cannot run the offense that we would love to run. We could not, we do not, we can't do all the fancy things that we'd like to do. We can't necessarily game plan against a specific defense the way that we would want to. We have a fundamental problem here and is that we cannot handle the pass rush. And like, I almost wonder if you just need to go back to that very basic point and say, okay, let's accept this as an unfortunate fact. If you're Sean McVay and the coaching staff and say, all right, we, we have to accept this as an unfortunate fact. What do we do now? What do we like? What do literally what are the basic things that we can do to move the football? Can't do all the fancy stuff we want to do. And I wonder if at, in speaking to exactly what you're saying there, Jordan, there's got to be some higher probability plays, whether it's Allen Robinson or anybody. You know, it's all the things that frustrate Rams fans when opponents do them to the Rams defense. Take those high probability plays, pick and, and you know, Ske- play think- football like you're scheming against. Aaron freaking Donald. Exactly. Because the that's quick what you, game. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just wonder like, and, and again, that's not, as we always say, multiple things true at the same yeah. time. That's not to put it all on Sean McVay and say, Oh, he's got to design a better, like there's any number of things that I got, got to go right here. But I'm just wondering, like, if you know that, if you have to accept that as a, as a problem, like, I think you got to go back a little bit and say, all right, let's just go back to basics here. How are we going to move the football 10 yards at a time so that we can get down the field and, and, there's got to be more situations to get Alan involved in that. I, I have to believe that's true. Yeah. And I, I liked and admired the problem solving they'd done in previous weeks in the run game. I really appreciated the Ben's chronic wrinkle. Right. I really, really appreciate when they're getting Brandon Powell involved in those sweeps in those really physical yards after catch scenarios. I think that he is developing into a really solid explosive yards after catch player for them. Like, I, I think there's a lot of potential there and he brings the energy and you can see every time he gets hit and he pops back up, you can see that fire with which he plays with. That's what the Rams are looking for right. on offense. That's what they want. And I think there are ways to utilize players like that. Allen Robinson, who can move and manipulate through the middle of the field, even if he's not a prototypical slot player, because of the way that he controls his body, the way his his uh, tor- his uh, his catch radius is so wide, but his torso and his lower body stay so quiet. This, these are things that people it, I saw them with my own eyes mm-hmm. and I'm trying not to swear. And I can literally <laughs> tell you these are this is a skill set that he has. Right. He is capable of doing this. 
And I can't even pretend to know how to solve all of the problems. There are probably five to 10 to 40 things going on behind the scenes of that building that nobody will ever know about until, you know, five years from now or what, like I can totally understand that. And I empathize with that. But at the same time, like, I do think that there's some value to, okay, you know, every single play because of the pressure is feeling like just a gasping, like death rattle of a breath. Right. (laughs) And you need to be able to, start to manipulate things to your advantage, play right. to your players' strengths. You've got right. you've got people who can do certain things for you, even if your offensive line is so embattled um, and, and has to heal and has to be. And, and if it means pulling back and doing some of the things with different players that you've done in the past and then adding in different elements and pulling at different threads, like that's fine. But yeah. against the way too that that these defenses are playing now, there is nothing wrong with a quick game. Some of those drives that I thought have been promising have been those longer drives that the Rams have pieced together the right. shorter and intermediate stuff efficiently. They've stayed ahead of the sticks. They've blended the run in the past. They've done different types of things. And I just think you're able to then continue to add layers of different personnel, different receivers, do it on a more consistent basis and get into the damn end zone. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. it's that that's the bottom that's line. The, that's the bottom line. And, and yeah. again, Caveat for the whole podcast, the pressure that they're seeing with two of the, what I think two of the absolute best defenses in football are in the first four weeks of the season. Like that's a tough scene. The pressure they're getting from those defenses in combination and correlation to the injuries they're facing um, on, on the offensive line, like that cannot go understated at any point in any breath of any argument henceforth. But at the same time, there are, I think, ways, not just that will help your line, but also are the right way to play against these types of defenses until yeah. you have guys come back healthy, until you have Van Jefferson back, until you've started to figure out what your downfield game looks like, until you've stabilized your run game, if you ever do. And I think that all of those things can go hand in hand. If you find some of that rhythm, you can still play in tempo. You can still do some of those things. Um, and, and part of the problem, too, I will say that uh, Matthew kind of mentioned was even when the you, you got to get communication up front figured out because even when the Rams were trying to go in tempo, the 49ers were still able to send pressure on those tempo plays, which is te- which is not good. And yeah. that that basically why why are you even in tempo in that in that case? Right. And and so that you know you got to get those because commu- because you're literally turning around looking for communication or you're waiting for the calls or you're trying to figure figure stuff out. So you got to get that sorted out. You got to get that figured out, but there are ways to get, I think a quick game going, you see it. Um, you don't necessarily have the, all the Joker players that say like the 49ers do on offense, but you do have the different types of capabilities from players who can get you to a couple more games before you can really sit there and get healthy players back. Some of the linemen, Van Jefferson, like you can, you can make it through with that type of problem solving, in my opinion. Yeah, there's there's no question about it. And if, if there was one if there was one quick fix, um, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I mean, there's well, we'd be rich. Yeah, we would. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but I, I think there are things here and it's 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 not as straight line as is as, as, you know, I probably make it out to be either. I don't 
It's not to say like Alan Robinson is the problem here. I mean, I think it's way, 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 way more complex than that. Um, but I, I do think that's something they, they need to figure out, whatever the answer is, whatever the adjustment that need to be made. Um, I think that's near the top of the list of something that they, they need to figure out probably pretty quickly here. Um, because as we've said, uh, Dallas Cowboys coming into town, you don't want to be two and three. Everything is uh, pretty uh, remarkably uh, in the NFC West, everybody two and two. Rams aren't. Yeah, as I was saying, I mean, as bad as things have been, I mean, they, they, everybody's on the same level right now. Uh, but you don't want to get behind that eight ball. We talk about it every year. You don't want to be playing from behind in November, trying to chase, uh, trying to chase a playoff spot or even into December. So, um, fascinating stuff, Jordan. It's all in the pile too. There's so much more that we didn't even get to. So, if and you, uh, we should say too, these are our opinions. Like, yeah. Well, educated opinions well, is what honest. we always what yeah. we always like to say based on insight and analysis and intel that we can't necessarily say from who or from where, but just the the ongoing fact gathering and information gathering methodology, 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 right? Methodology. 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 Yeah. Russ yeast. I've been known to mess up a word or two on this <laughs> you've podcast. Got, you've got Russ yeast down really well. Yeah, though. I saw your face light up earlier. I've been practicing that one. Actually. Yeah, I like that. Well, yeah, you're, I was like, I think I nailed it on the first take. That on was that very one. good. That yeah. was very good. Uh, there, Jordan is every day you can get these, uh, whatever you want to call them, informed opinions. I would say they're more than that even. I think they are uh, very well nuanced and uh, very well thought out uh, things that that uh, Jordan writes. Um, and they are available every day on Twitter, of course, at Jordan Rodrigue. But if you're really, oh my gosh, Jordan, we didn't even talk about the Bobby Wagner feature. Like the, now I feel like <laughs> we've failed you. Um, but look, subscribe to The Athletic today. I don't care how uh, I know we have a discount going all the time. Whatever you end up paying, I, I can virtually guarantee you it will be worth it just to read the Bobby Wagner feature. And then you're going to get everything else that Jordan does, too. So any, everybody who's subscribed already knows that. And uh, I'm sure is nodding their heads right now. But Jordan, if people haven't subscribed yet, they, first of all, they should right now. And they can do that by going to the 11, the 11. I messed it up. Theathletic.com. <laughs> you can go to the 11.com. I don't know what it'll get you, but you should really go to theathletic.com slash 11 personnel. And you can get all of Jordan's great coverage and make her happy because you're going to get her favorite thing in the entire world, which is what? A great discount, you guys. Every single time you subscribe to The Athletic through the 11 personnel podcast you can get my favorite thing in the world which is a great discount uh thanks for uh, hanging in there with us i know there's a lot of uh upset fans and disgruntled uh disgruntled rams folks out there you know one thing i think rich and i've seen time and again with this group is that they do problem solve we may not be able to see the uh the ends to to all the means uh in in the short term but this is a group that is constantly problem solving um, it's a massive coaching staff with a lot of smart people on it. And I think that they're trying to figure it out uh, come hell or high water. And uh, as I think we all collectively limp toward the bye week and uh, get healthier on the other side in more ways than one, um, make sure you guys are keeping up with us and we'll be back weekly. As you know, make sure you're taking care of each other. Make sure you're taking care of yourselves and we'll catch you next time. 